We need him in an uncertain economy. And because he lives, he's already been in my tomorrow before I got there. Amen? Thank God for that. If you have your Bibles, take them. Turn with me real quickly. Remain standing. And we're going to read just a couple verses, and I'll let you sit down this morning. Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3, and we're going to begin in verse number 5. As we continue, we finish today on surviving this economic crisis. Surviving this economic crisis. Uh, how many of y'all would like to know what we got on that offering? Anybody like to know what we got on that offering? Uh, how many of y'all think we made it to 2,500? All right, let's see. Brother Travis, y'all got the numbers. What? Come on up here. You got a microphone? He's got a big mouth, but, you know, we need a microphone. All right, we needed 100 and I think we need $121 to get to 2500 So what did we end up with altogether? They gave, uh, just a while ago, $625, which uh, brought the total uh, for the event to $3,000 even. All right. Amen. Amen. I think we, we, we made enough to get right about a hundred and something shy of 3,000 and somebody else back there gave the rest so I wouldn't take up another offering, amen? <laughs> all right, all right. Proverbs chapter number three. Isn't it fun to go to church? Yes, amen. All right, Proverbs chapter three and verse number five. When you get there, say amen. amen. Trust in the Lord. Boy, if there's ever been a time that we need to do that, it's right now. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. You know, there's a lot of people that's trying to figure this thing out on their own. And they're having trouble, and they can't figure it out. Well, you're not going to figure it out. You can't figure God out. You can't, you, you just, his thoughts are way above our thoughts. Amen? He said, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord. Here we go, y'all. Let's read 9 and 10 together. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now that sounds pretty good. Let's read verse 9 and 10 again. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Heavenly Father, help us to... Believe in verse 9 and 10, and Lord, practice verse 5 and 6. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move in this place. Speak to our hearts. Show yourself real. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. This is the last message that we, we are going to preach on this, on this particular subject, this particular series on getting through this economic crisis. Uh, we learned, we learned uh, in the very beginning that God is the owner of everything. He's the owner. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the hills and the potatoes under the hills. Amen. He owns it all. He is the owner, and we are the managers. Amen. Uh, we, we are to manage the resources that God has given us. We are stewards of God's blessings on us. So we learned the first week, say it with me, He is the 
owner. Say that with me. He is the And we are the managers. Say that with me. We are the managers. Then the, then the second week, we learn how devastating debt can be. And we, 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 we shared out of God's Word and warned everybody we need to be careful with debt. We need to do everything we can to get out of debt. Uh, no matter what the economic situation is, we don't need to be in debt in either one. But if you're in debt when the, when the economy falls, it's even that much more difficult to breathe. Say amen. Last week, we learned how important it is for us to take care of our responsibilities and making God a priority in our life. We have a responsibility to take care of our families. We have a responsibility that God has given us to put Him first in every area of our life. Well, today, I want to talk about, I want to talk about for just a little while, understanding God's economy. Understanding God's economy. You say, why is this so important? Uh, man's economy is a mess right now. There are experts and there are smart people, people smarter than me, uh, that's up in, in, in Washington trying to figure all this out, trying to straighten it out, and trying to change and get the economy where it needs to be, and it's still a mess. Now, as a Christian, as a Christian, uh, we need to be praying for our economy. We need to be praying for our leaders, even if you don't like them. Even if you don't like them, God has given us a responsibility to pray for our leaders. So we need to be praying for our leaders. No matter who's in there, we should be praying for them. But we don't need to be worried to death about this economy because we're operating in God's economy. And in order to make it through this economy, you need to understand God's economy. You say, well, isn't that the same? Absolutely not. God's economy doesn't work anything like man's economy. Everything in man's economy has to make sense. You have to be able to figure it out. It needs to make sense. And, and, and I found out this, none of it makes sense to me. It's a mess. It's a mess. But we can rely on God's economy. Now, how does God work? How does God operate here in this world? He operates in what we call a paradox. Something that doesn't humanly make sense, but nevertheless, it is true. A paradox is something that to the common eye, to man's eye, it doesn't make sense how this should work, but it, it is nevertheless true. For instance, for instance, in God's economy, in God's economy, in order to find, you must lose. You must lose. In other words, if you're going to find your life, you've got to lose your life. You've got to be willing to give God your life, then you will find your life. In God's economy, in order to live, you must die. See, that don't make sense. But nevertheless, it's true. Nevertheless, it's true. To be first, you must be... To be honored, you must be humbled. Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God, and in due time, He will exalt thee. Now, here's the last one, and this is what we're going to talk about today. This is what we're going to talk about. In order to receive, you've got to give. You say, where is that paradox found? Luke chapter, chapter 6, verse 38. Watch what this says. Luke 6, 38 says this. Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Does that sound pretty good so far? Let me say that again. I like that. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that ye meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. Now, everybody in here, unless something's mentally wrong with you, everybody in here wants to receive. 
right? Well, not me. Well, then just work all week and tell your boss you keep it this week. You're not going to do that. You're going to be first in line. I want my check, please. Amen. Because you gave, you gave effort, you gave sweat, you got some of you gave blood and tears. I don't know. What you you gave that week, so you expect to This is not complicated, people. Help me now. You gave, so now you're expecting to All right, we all want to receive. I want to receive blessings. I do. I want that pressed down, running over, shaking together. Yeah, chunk it to me, baby. I want it all. I want what God has coming for me. And the only way we're going to make it through this economy, through what we're seeing and what we're experiencing right now in our country, is we've got to be understanding how to receive from God. Because obviously we're not going to get it from man. Amen? So here's the deal. Here's the deal. We've got to learn how to give. We've got to learn how to give because it's a paradox. It's how God's economy works. It's just, it is what it is. You say, it doesn't make sense how we can, we can give out of our pocket, but then you're saying we're going to have more than what it was that we give. I don't understand it either, but I'm enjoying it. And God is right in how he does it. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Bible says this in, in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Before he ever told you to honor the Lord with your first fruits, in other words, the first that you get, give it to God. Before he tells you to do that, he says, trust me. Trust me. Do you know why we as Christians struggle sometimes with our giving? Because we don't trust him. And he said, before you give, I want you to trust me. I want you to believe in me. Don't trust what you can see. Don't even trust what you can understand. Don't trust what makes sense to you. Because what I'm going to ask you to do ain't going to make no sense. It's not good English, but you get the point. I'm sure when God told Joshua to march around that, that city seven times and then shout at the I'm sure he said, that don't make sense. I'm sure, I'm sure when God told Moses to hold that staff out across that Red Sea and it's going to split, that didn't make sense, but it worked. And he says, I'm fixing to ask you to do something that you're not going to understand. I'm fixing to ask you to give me first what I give back to you or what I give to you. You honor me first, and I will make sure your barns are filled and your presses are flowing with new wine. And basically what he's saying, you're going to prosper. I know most of us in here are not farmers, so you, that, that terminology. Basically, this financially, God's going to bless you. But you've got to put him first. And in order to put him first, you've got to trust him. Amen. Say amen. amen. Now, here's the deal. Okay, okay. I need to receive. I need to receive. I need blessings in my life because I've got bills. I've got a family. I've got, I've got needs. And I've even got wants. I've got desires. Everybody's got them. That's fine. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Amen? It's okay to want things and have things. That's fine. As long as them things don't have you. It's okay. So I got all those stuff. And Lord, I, I, I've got areas of need in my life. So in this economy, it's bad out there, so what do I do? And God says, okay, if you will learn to give, then you're going to receive. So I thought, but Lord, we're in a bad economy. Everybody knows that. It's no secret. Some people are still looking for jobs. So what God did to me is he took me over to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And I want you to do the same thing. Turn with me real quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And I want to share with you an example of a group of people 
that were financially, they were in a worse hardship than you could ever imagine. It was the Macedonian people. Listen, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, the Bible says this, and, and, and to understand what we're looking at here, the Corinthian church, the Corinthian church was supposed to give a love offering uh, back to the church in Jerusalem because they were going through a famine. Back in Jerusalem where the church came from and where the church uh, uh, spread out from, they were going through a difficult time financially, physically, uh, in, in, in the economic world, they were in a disaster. It was, it was devastating. They were experiencing a famine, and most everything was to connected to agriculture back in that day, so they were going through a bad way. Well, over here in these other Gentile nations, in these foreign countries, where Paul had started churches in Corinth was one of them, they were gathering up love offerings to send back to that church in Jerusalem to support them and help them get through this difficult hour. Well, the Corinthian church a year before was supposed to send a love offering, but they never did. They had good intentions, but they never fulfilled them. Now, you cannot put a jacket on a cold person with an intention. You cannot fill a hungry belly with an intention. The road to hell is paved with what? Good intentions. They had a good intention, but they never fulfilled their intention. And Paul is writing 2 Corinthians. This is the second letter that he's writing to the Corinthian church and, and, and pleading with them, please, we need your help. And this is what's happening. In this situation, I have found, I have found there's such a strong connection, there is such a strong connection to spirituality and generosity. The Macedonian church that he gives an illustration, we're going to read it in just a second, they were going through a horrible economic situation. They were so broke, they couldn't pay attention. Say amen. I mean, they were in a terrible way. But out of that poverty came great generosity. Why? Because of the spiritual level in the church. Well, the church here at Corinth, they were being blessed. And, and, and instead, of, instead of them contributing and being generous, they weren't doing anything. Why? Because the spiritual level was so low. They were fighting, they were squabbling, they were, they were using their gifts wrong. If you'll read 1 Corinthians, Paul chews them out through the whole letter because they were so carnal and they were so unspiritual. And, and, and as I look at this, if you see a spiritual church, you'll see a generous church. If you see an unspiritual church, they will be a stingy church. One of the coolest things I just saw today in the early service and this service, you're generous people. And there is a close connection between generosity and spirituality. And here's what he is saying. I want to give you an example. There's four things I want to say really quick, and we'll, we'll do this quick. Uh, four things I want to share with you about grace giving. Say that, those two words with me. Grace giving. Let's talk about giving. Okay, if I'm going to receive, and we need to receive, amen? We together, we need to be able to receive to help us get through this economy and prosper in this economy. So in order to receive, I've got to give. Now, what does God say about giving? What does God say about giving? And we're going to look at that. Four things real quickly. Number one, write this down. I want you to see the motivation of grace giving. The motivation of grace giving. In writing this letter, he is trying to encourage the church of Corinth and by using the example of the Macedonian believers. Look what he says about them. Look what he says in chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, 
We do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep, what? Poverty. You see, most of them, when they became believers, they were in, in the metal works where they would make and design idols, little statues for people to bow down to. Well, when they found Christ, they turned their back on all of that. Well, they kicked them out of the guilds or the unions. They wouldn't let them participate, so they had no way of making money. And here they are in deep poverty because of their, 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 their stand for Christ. They are in a bad way. And watch what it says. How in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. In other words, they were incredibly generous out of their poverty. He says this, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They even gave beyond what they thought they were capable of giving. And they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. In other words, they said, would you please take up an offering from us? Obviously, this was not a Baptist church. Say amen. Please, take, let us help. Man, use us. Let us help. Uh, we, don't, we, we may not have much, but man, out of what we do have, we want to get, please let us be a part of this great deal. Man, they had a generous spirit. And Paul is using them as an example to, 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 to encourage the Corinthian church. Say, look at what they did. It, it, they were not giving out of their abundance. They were not giving out of their overwhelming, swelling bank account. They were poor. They were in a bad way. They were in a very difficult hour. But out of their poverty came great generosity. Do you realize most of the giving in America does not come from rich people? It comes from poor people? I've watched, I've watched documentaries that, that just surveyed the country and surveyed uh, hospitality and generosity and people giving to charity and all of that. And the majority of the charitable giving from people comes from a poor group of people. Listen. We see he used two examples. He not only used the Macedonian believers, then he used Jesus. Verse 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that through though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be... What does that mean? Jesus gave up everything so you could have everything. Jesus who had everything who had all the splendors of glory, who spoke this world into existence, took upon him the form of a servant, and became in the likeness of man. He came, was born in a cow trough. He was wrapped in cattle blankets. He had no place to lay his head. He became destitute and poor just so you could be rich. Wow. What an example. What an example of generosity. What an example of a generous spirit. God, listen, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. God the Father loved you so much, he gave his son. God the Son loved you so much, he gave his life. What's the deal? What's this all about? God wants you to be like him. God wants you to be like him. From the moment you got saved, according to the word of God, God started a process to form you into the image of his son. I prove it. Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. And then it says, and we all stop there. We don't read the next verse. 
We want to know that everything bad in our lives is going to work to our good some way or another. But you need to understand what, what it, it, it's designed to do. It says, according to his purpose. What's his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So God allows situations in your life to make you more like his son. Why do you think God allow a jerk to come in your life? How many of y'all have experienced jerks in your life? The rest of you are lying. God allowed a jerk to come in your life and hurt you. You know why? So you would forgive him. Why does he want you to forgive him? So you can be like his son? He says, watch my boy. It's just like, you know, God the Father is just like some of us at a ball game. That's my boy. It's a home run. That's my boy. Chip off the old block. And most of us know that ain't true. But there it is. He wants us to be like him. You say, what's well, about, about, about giving? Because when you're giving, you're like him. When you're generous, you're just like him. When he saw y'all doing all that number, and not whether you wanted to see us run around and whatever, whatever you did, I don't care why you gave it, but God sees a generous spirit. And according to the Word of God, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. God got so tickled in heaven a while ago when you held up your dollar or ten or whatever it was you gave because God loves to see generosity because when he sees generosity, he sees people acting like him. Church, say amen. See, our motivation for giving should not be greed. You know, you see these preachers on, on TV. Bless God, send in a $1,000 offering and you'll break the back of poverty on your life. Turn it off, just right there. Just. It's all about greed. And they're making millions of dollars off of people's ignorance and greed. Because they'll tell you, I broke the back of poverty in my life. I gave a $1,000 offering and for three months or three years straight, a UPS truck stopped by with a check. I prove it. I'd like to see that. I don't believe that. I believe it's lying charlatans stealing money from God, and there's going to be a hot place in hell for all of them. Why? It's motivated by greed. You should never give out of greed. And you know what? And then you can go to Baptist circles. You can go to Baptist circles, and I've seen this. You should never give out of guilt. I've seen people just get up and just forevermore just try to make you feel guilty. and not. No, it's not about that. It's not about feeling guilty. You shouldn't give out of guilt. You should give out of grace. I want to give because God's been good to me. I want to give because God died on the cross. He gave everything. Man, why shouldn't I not be generous too? Our motivation should never be greed or guilt. It should be never greed or guilt. Now, we need to teach the truth. And I have a, I, there's a fine line between that because I've got to tell the truth. I've got to tell what the Bible says about it. But I don't want to do it to make you feel guilty. I want to do it so you'll know the truth. So you can apply the truth to your life. And by applying the truth to your life, then God will bless you. Amen? But never out of guilt, never out of greed. It should always be out of grace. God's been good to me, and I want to be good to others. Church, say amen. The motivation for giving. The example displayed then be... We see the explanation delivered, not unexplained enough. Let's go to number two. Number two, I want you to see this. The measure of grace given. Okay, how much do we give then? I know why I need to give. I know why I need to give. Well, how much do I give? This is what the Bible says. 
in verse number 12, chapter 8, verse 12. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. What does that mean? What does that mean? In the first letter that Paul sent to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, he says this, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. What does that mean? I, I, I hate to admit this, but sometimes, sometimes I watch those shows, those TV shows, those marathons or give-a-thons or whatever, whatever they call that. And it just, I do it and it'll make me so mad. I'm telling you, the blood will get up in my earlobes. And it'll make Tammy mad because she'll go, why are you even watching it? Just turn it off. You get mad every time. I don't, I don't even know why you watch it. You're just going to get your blood pressure up. Nah, 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 nah. Whatever. It says to keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Amen. I want to know what these birds are doing. And this is what they'll say. If you don't have it, put it on your credit card. Now, I can't find that in the Bible. What did God just say right there? He says, I don't want you to give what you don't have. He said, give out of what you do have. Amen. Give as God has prospered you. You'll never come in here and, and hear me tell you, give what you don't have. Just believe God for it. I don't see that. Now, I do believe this. I do believe this. I believe if you have an intention, say, God, I would love to give such and such amount. You may not have it right now, but if God puts it on your heart to do it, God will make sure you have it before it's time. There's a difference. There's a difference. There's a difference between uh, spontaneously giving out of something that you don't have and believing God to give you something to give. There was a time, Brother Travis, I wanted, you probably don't even remember this. It's been so long ago. But I wanted to give you a certain amount of money for that, for that ministry. Do you remember that? And I, I just had it in my mind. I said, God, I would like to give Travis. A, I think it was $500. I don't remember. I think it was $500. I didn't, I didn't have it. But I just prayed and said, God, I want to do that. If you give me the ability to do that, and I'm telling you, God gave me the ability to do it. He had, I went to Florida and preached at a church, and they gave me a love offering. And uh, when they gave me a love offering, I'd forgotten that I'd asked the Lord to let me give Travis that money. And when they gave me that love offering, I was thinking, boy, I'm going to get me a nice coon dog. <laughs> and, and, and see, I was wanting five, and they, they gave me a $400 love offering. And God said, what did you ask me for? I said, well, Lord, surely this ain't it because this is four and I asked you for five, so this must not be it right here, amen. Won't we, don't we just reason with the Lord? Well, I'd, I'd gone down to see Dad and them, and all, we had like a little family reunion. My Uncle Wayne come up to me and slipped some money in my pocket. He said, you need some gas money to get home. I said, I sure do. You know what? He gave me two $100 bills. You know what God did? God gave me enough to give the money I wanted to give to Travis and $100 to get home on. I need a witness. Yeah. Now, do you see how that is different than somebody forcing you saying, go get on your credit card and put it on? Don't do that. Matter of fact, don't give them nothing. Because not, they're not, they're not going to see anybody saved. Just trust me on that deal. God wants you to give out of what you have. Whatever that may be, you say, well, I don't have much. Let me tell you something. He can take a lad's lunch and feed thousands of people. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't even worry about what it is. You just trust him with it. There was a story, there was a story in the Bible that, that God told Moses. 
said, I need the people to bring an offering so that we can build a tabernacle. So here they are out in the middle of the wilderness, and he says, tell them to bring an offering. There was different. He gave them a list of things that he needed uh, to build the building, uh, the, 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 you know, gold and silver in the, in the materials to make the curtains and all that stuff. Well, they started giving. They started giving. And, and Moses put some people over that offering and to help de designate it to put where it needed to be to get the thing built. And this is what they did. They came to Moses and said, look, you're going to have to tell the people to stop giving. We've got too much. Now, again, this probably wasn't a Baptist congregation. Amen. We got too much. Now, watch what they say. Watch what they say. This is what they say. And, 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 and this is the deal. He says, this is what they tell Moses. For the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work. How much of the work? All the work to make it and too much. Do y'all get that? Too much. Just got too much. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great for us to come to church and say, God, you're really going to have to stop the blessings. I mean, really, you, I just, it's, it's just too much. You're going to have, I, I just can't handle it all, Lord. You're going to have to slow down a little bit on the blessings department. Some of y'all are like, yeah. That's biblical. Watch this. I got a verse for you. Y'all don't believe me. I'm telling you, I'm, I got Bible right here, right here. In my Bible, it says this in Malachi 3.10. Bring ye all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me, Prove me, try me, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to... And I told them in the early service, and I didn't get much education, and I don't use much of what I got. But where I'm from, according to that, that means you're going to get to... Isn't that what that means? Now, are we going to trust him? I would love to be in that too much department. And before you get all excited, God's got a purpose for that too much. God wants to give you too much. So you'd be willing to give to somebody else. Amen? So what do I give, preacher? What do I give? Out of what you have. Some of us are thinking in this bad economy, we just don't have enough, preacher. I think you do. Let me tell you when you won't have enough. Let me tell you when you won't have enough. No matter what you make, I don't care if you make $5 million a month. If you don't put God first, you'll never have enough. But if you make $5 a month, and if that's all the ability you have, if you put God first... You'll have more than the man with five million. Oh, I'm telling you. It, it, my Bible can't lie. Now, why are you going to believe God to save your soul and you're going to believe the chapter that says he'll forgive you all your sin and not believe this chapter? It's all in the same book. And the point is this. It don't matter what you have. It don't matter what you have. God will use what you have. We see the expectation the measure of expectation. God just expects you to give from what you have. That's all he expects. That's all he expects. Then B, we see not only a measure of expectation, we see a measure of equality. 
a measure of equality. Look what the verse says. The Bible says in verse number 13, he says, For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened, but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want. Or that word need, you can put the word need there. That there may be, what's that word? Equality. What does that mean? At that point in time, the church in Jerusalem right here was going through a very, very bad situation. Very bad situation. And the church over here in Corinth was kind of being blessed. Now God says, if you'll take and be generous to this group of people over here, one day, one day, you may be in a bad situation. You may be in a difficult time, and their blessing will come supply to your need. Does that make sense? Now here's the deal. Some people say God's promoting communism. No, he's not. No, he's not. God is not for communism. Communism is a forced issue. This is totally voluntary. But God is, is, this is what he's teaching. This is what he's teaching. In every church, in every church, God does not expect equal giving. Did y'all get that? Well, preacher, you're saying we all need to give. I, I know. We all need to give. But God is not expecting equal giving. People that make $5 an hour cannot give what people make $50 an hour. They can't. Sometimes they do. Shame on us. Shame on us. Sometimes people making $5 an hour give more than people that make $50 an hour. But what God is saying, we should not have equal giving, but equal sacrifice. In other words, the percentage of what that man that was making $5 an hour gives and what the man $50 an hour gives, they should be an equal percentage. There should be an equal amount of sacrifice. Does this make sense? This is how we all operate. You know why we can sit in an awesome building today on this property? Because we got giving people. We got giving people. There are people that make a bunch of money and they give substantially. Then there's people that make a little money and they give substantially out of what they give and what they have. It may not be equal giving... But it's an equal sacrifice. See, it's not what we give out. It's what we keep. Y'all get that? See, you, let me, let me, y'all don't believe me again. Y'all looking at me with that look. Let me give you some more Bible. Mark chapter 12. Jesus and the disciples are hanging out during offering time in the temple. They're hanging out watching people give their offerings. And there's people, there's... There's lawyers and doctors and there's all kind of people, uh, 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 rich folks and poor folks, and there's all kind, but there's people that are going for a show. And they're giving this large amount of money to see everybody, look how, look how we are. This is what Jesus said. He saw one little old widow lady come up. And Jesus was not focused on all them big wigs. His eyes caught the attention of this little bitty widow lady. He says, come here, boys, come here, boys. He got all excited. He could care less about those people. Listen, it didn't, it didn't excite him for people to give a little. You know, it, it was a lot to everybody else, but it, really in reality, they wasn't giving nothing. Amen. But when he saw this little widow lady, he got all excited. He said, look, fellas, come here, come here, come here. Look, look, look. This is what he says. He called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in... This is in Matthew 12, if you think I'm lying. Matthew 12, 43. 
that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want or her need did cast in all that she had, even all her living. What does that mean? Jesus, this is what Jesus said. She put in more than everybody that came today. And Brother Spence, her amount was this amount. Everybody else was putting these big... But she put in this much, and in Jesus' eyes, this is what he said, she gave more than everybody. Amen. See, Jesus does not look at what's in your hand. He's looking at what's in your heart. Amen. Not equal giving, equal sacrifice. Listen, that poor person in here, it only has the ability to give $5. Has just as much credit in God's eyes as the one that gave 5000 Isn't that cool? God's economy is so cool. We can all come, no matter what our economic status is, and have the same credit to see all this cool stuff and what God has done in our lives and be just as much a part of it as anybody. What a God. Listen, the measure of grace giving. God only expects us to give out of what we have. Then the equality of giving. We should, there should be equal sacrifice. Won't always be equal giving, but we should have equal sacrifice. Then three, write this down. The manner of grace giving. Okay. Found out why I need to give. I found out how much I'm supposed to give. All right. Now, how do we do that? What manner should we give? Well, in chapter number 9, chapter number 9, he tells us in verse number 6, because he's continuing this grace-giving thought in chapter number 9. He says, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. What's that mean? How you give is strictly up to you. You should not be coerced by guilt. You should not be coerced by greed. How you give is completely up to you. It's between you and God. I don't never preach at people. I have no idea what you get. I don't know who gives what in here. I have no idea. I won't know. I don't want to know. I make sure they don't tell me. So I can come up here and preach truth, and nobody can say I'm preaching at them. I just preach the Bible, and it lands where it lands. But with that being said, you determine what you receive by what you give. For instance, most of y'all know, Tammy told me the other day, Tammy told me the other day she wanted me to plow her off a little spot for a garden. I said, baby, there's plenty enough people in the church that makes them things and gives us free stuff. Why do you want me... You know, I said that. She was sitting on the front row in the early service, and, and she's back there cooking for the, for the uh, life recovery team now. And, and I said, she wants me to make a garden. And everybody, amen, preach, amen. Don't, amen. Don't encourage her. What's wrong with you people, amen? Wants me to make a garden. And, and she knows I'm not no gardener. It just, I, and most of y'all know my, my squash experience. 
how, we got new folks in here. How many of y'all have never heard of my squash experience? Raise your hand. If you, oh, Lord Jesus. How many of y'all have ever saw, uh, how many of y'all ever saw Forrest Gump? Y'all remember the shrimp situation? Shrimp kebab, shrimp casserole, shrimp, you know, I mean, endless. I wanted to make a garden one time, and I didn't know nothing. I didn't know nothing about it, and I like squash. How many of y'all like squash? I like squash. So I was going to plant some squash plants, and I decided, well, I, I want, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. And I want a lot of squash. I planted 97 squash plants. know we got a basket god is my witness that basket was that deep about that big around and we filled it up every day every day i thought lord jesus we got squash every, we got more squash the recipe you want no squash ask tammy we got them but you know what i sowed bountifully and boy did i reap bountifully now here's the deal Here's the deal. The point I'm making is this. What you give is determined by you. The Bible says you're the purpose in your heart. Whatever it is, that's you. You determine what you receive. You determine that. He says this. As, as If a man sows sparingly, he's going to receive. If we sow bountifully, we're going to receive. So it's all up to you. What do I give? What do you want to get? What do you want to get? I, people ask me this too. Preacher, do I tithe off my do I tithe off my gross or my net? I said, that all depends. What do you mean? I said, it all depends. Do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? It, it is. See, we try to get God and we, we try to dial it in. I'm going to give my 10, what's, you get your whatever you make and you hit that 10%. And I'm, don't do that. Just say, God, what, what is it? What do you want me to do? Because what you give determines what you receive. I'm telling you, this is a fact. And by the way, too, that's the, give me those two things quickly because I'm running out of time. Both of them. The activity we determine. You determine what you give. You determine it. And you determine it by what you want to receive. If you put corn in the ground, what's coming up? If you put 97 squash plants in the ground, what's going to come up? A bunch of it. If you put tomatoes in the ground, what's going to come up? Okay, you determine it. So whatever you want to receive, that's what you give by. Whatever you want to see God to do in your life, that's what you want to give by. Now, what kind of attitude do we display? We see the activity we determine. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. If we sow bountifully, we're going to reap bountifully. So that's completely up to you. But with that being said, this is how you need to do it. This kind of attitude you need to have. The Bible says this. The Bible says this. In, 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 in uh, verse number 7 of chapter number 9, every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, when you got figured out what you want to give, that's what that means. When you've gotten it figured out what you want to give, you feel like God is telling you to give, then it says this, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a... 
Men, you cannot give to God like you give to your wife. My, my wife said, honey, I need some money. The kids need to, you know, yesterday. She gave it and I, I mean, what, that's not how we give to God. That's not how we give to God. We give cheerfully. You see how y'all gave a while ago? We was laughing and cutting having a big time. That's what he's talking about. Man, we gave cheerfully. We were glad to do it because we wanted to see Travis run. Say amen. No, we wanted to see Willie get a meal and get some medicine. We wanted somebody that was down on their luck who the world has come against them in an unbelievable way to get back up on their feet again. Why? Because according to that verse, I may be there next. Amen? Give cheerfully. Cool, man. Now, let me say this, too. Let me give you a little commercial right here. Giving cheerfully doesn't mean sometimes you won't give fearfully. Y'all hear what I just said? Giving cheerfully doesn't mean that sometimes we won't give fearfully. What does that mean? Sometimes God tells me something that scares me. I've given because God, I had something in my pocket and I sat down in a service and, 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 a, and a man of God with a big need come up and he shared the need and God whispered in my ear, give that what you got in your pocket. But, but, but uh, Lord, that was, that really, that was the, that was really the coon dog fund. He said, now I want you to give it. And it wasn't that I was begrudging anything. I was afraid, Lord, are you sure this is your voice? Is it you, Lord? Are you really you? I found out this. The devil won't never tell you to give to God, so just trust me, it's him. But we give out of fear. We think, oh, Lord, are you sure this is your... Last Sunday, last Sunday, I had, I had, I had something in my pocket and God told me to give it. And, and I said, Lord, I'm fixing to take a trip, and it's a long one. It's got a lot of gas money, and, 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 and I'm going to need some Fritos on the way down there. Are you sure you want me? He said, give it. Honest to God, my hand on the Bible. Whichever one goes on, right hand. That's it right there. God is my witness. That was in my pocket, and God told me to give. Give that. Okay. Say nothing to nobody. Before I walked out the building, somebody slipped something in my hand and said, Preacher, I just, I just put it in my pocket. Why did you have this? I said, just hope it blesses you on your trip and everything. God is my witness. It was twice the amount of what God asked me to give. Yeah, it was. I went, I went in my office and I just reached my hand there and looked, holy cow. I mean, and you know what? Here's what God said to me. If you're willing to let go of what's in your hand, I'll let go of what's in my hand. Amen. And I don't know if you know this or not, but his hands are bigger than mine. Y'all ever heard of little Johnny? Little Johnny was with his mama in, 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 the, in the supermarket line. And little Johnny was looking at the, that big jar, uh, 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 that big jar of gumballs. Amen. That big jar, Spence, it was one of them big ones. You know, that individual, you know, they don't have it like that anymore, but they used to have them big jars of gumball machine, you know, and, and he was looking at them so intently, and his mama wasn't going to get him none. She was stingy, wouldn't give little John no gumballs. And, and the supermarket managers happened to be standing there and said, go ahead, son, get your handful. It's on me. 
And he just kept looking. Wouldn't even reach in there, nothing. He just kept looking. He said, go ahead, son, get you some gumballs. He just kept looking. He wouldn't. He said, my goodness, pull out your shirt. And he reached his hand in there and got him some and put him in his shirt. Got outside. His mama was frustrated with him and said, son, why didn't you reach your hand in there and get you some gumballs? He said, his hands were bigger than mine. <laughs> Y'all say what you want about little Johnny. He's smart, amen. God's hands are bigger than ours. And if we'll show that we trust him and let go of what's in our hand, God will let go of what's in his hand. Amen. Lastly, lastly, number four, with a good attitude. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, have a good attitude, man. Yeah, all right. Manifest, watch it, Dad, watch it now, all right. Number four, number four, manifestation of grace giving. This is what we, we got to get this, I know we're running late, but this is, this is, if we give, if we do our part, then God's going to do his part. Watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says in verse number 8. If we'll give from the heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Watch what the Bible says he's going to do. And God is able. Say that with me. God is to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having what? All sufficiency. Not some sufficiency, but all sufficiency and in all things. Three alls there. All grace, all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, when you learn to give and trust God, there's going to two things you're going to see. Two things right here. First thing you're going to see, help me find what we're going to see. We see the ability manifested in our life. God's ability and what he can do. What, Brother Chris, when God told me to give that amount, God wanted to show me what he could do. God wanted to show me what he could do, but I had to be willing to do what he asked me to do so he could show me what he could do. And when I let go of what was in my hand, he gave me twice as much as what I let go of. What's the point? There are so many people in here that have not seen what God can really do in your life because you won't trust him to let it go. And I wonder how many things that God wants to do for us and God wants to show himself real and shows himself. Do you know what? It tickles him to death to show himself real in your life. He wants to show himself powerful. The Bible says he's searching to and fro in this earth. To show himself strong on behalf of... Are y'all with me? Amen. Man, he's dying to show you what he can do. But in order to see what he can do, you got to do your part. Amen. Amen? We can see miracles. We can see miracles on a more, a, a more regular basis if we'd be willing to trust him and see what he can do. We'll see the ability of God manifested in our life. It'll show up all the time. We'll see what God, man, God will do this. God will do that. I, I can't even tell you how many times God has showed up in this place. I, 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 I don't even have enough time. Uh, uh, Miss Amber came up to me right after church and said, Preacher, let me tell you what God did and what God is doing. Bam, 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 about two or three things. Let me show you what God's doing. Other people have come. Brother, brother uh, Jeremo called me last week and said, Preacher, we, we decided to trust God and do such and such. And the very next day, look what God did. 
what happened? We're learning to trust Him. And by trusting Him, we're starting to see Him more and more and more in an incredible way. Amen? Woohoo! That's good stuff. Listen, not only will we see an ability manifested in B, we'll see an accomplished ministry. We'll see a building up. We'll see, we'll see people being fed. We'll see pe people with jackets being put on their back in the freezing cold. We'll see people get socks and shoes and food. Not only that, but we're going to see, we're gonna see some, uh, Brother Chris, what was them things called? Proclaimers? Was that me and Brother Chris? Oh, man, you missed it, Travis. You missed it. We've got to share. We've got, we've got a new project we're going to be working on, and I need to share some ideas with you on that deal. We're going to look into there's people There's people in this world who's never heard the gospel. You hear it on every channel, on TV, and on the radio, and everything else, but there are people today that's never heard the gospel. And they've made little radios that can flip out and be solar-powered. It's got a little hand crank that they can crank it. Listen, so they, they can listen to it at night. There's even a little cord if they just happen to have electricity and it's got the Word of God being read in their language. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool to get about a thousand of them and send them out? You know how we're going to do that? We're going to be generous. We're going to let God speak to our heart and tell us what to give. And when we do that, there's going to be little people in, in northern India and southern China that will hear the Word of God for the very first time in their life and, and believe in God. Man, this is exciting. And it's all going to become, it's all going to come because we trust God. He, the man told a story, and I'll say this, I know I'm running out of time, but I can't help, I've got to tell this story. This, they, they had this proclaimer, this little, little machine, and it's reading out the Word of God. It's reading out the Word of God, and this group, it's about 150 people sitting here listening to this. And it comes across, it comes across the part where, you remember when Jesus cast out the demons and they went into them swine? And the 2,000 swine ran off and drowned in the ocean there? Y'all remember that? In the sea? Well, it come across that time, it just happened to be these people are swine farmers. Swine farmers. And the biggest ruckus you ever heard broke out. I mean, they're hearing the word of God and now it's, it's UFC, baby. I mean, they're going after you. And there's just, I mean, this commotion and the missionary standing there and say, what is going on? He said, all these people are swine farmers. He said, and they're afraid if they let this man Jesus come in, it's going to do away with their crop. So they're going, well, the chief stands up and calms everybody down. Now, let me tell you how God works. Now, son, I'm telling you, I had tears dripping off my face when I heard this. These people have never heard of Jesus or the Bible or the Word of God. We're so spoiled in America. I've heard it ever since I was a baby, but these people never heard it. And let me tell you the power of the gospel. He says, he says, what I believe this man is saying is that this man, Jesus, cares more about one man's soul than 2,000 swine. Man! God is wanting to work in these people for them to hear the gospel. And he's doing it. I mean, this man has never heard the Bible. And look what wisdom came out of hearing the gospel one time. Well, how many more can hear it if we'd be willing to be generous and to trust God? We'll see ministry accomplished like we've never seen before.
I'm praying about this, and y'all help me pray. I'm praying that right after Easter, right after Easter, we can have a, a month of preaching on missions and unreached people. Unreached people. I mean, we need to reach them right here, but boy, there's people that ain't never heard. Why should Leroy hear it five times when there's a man that ain't heard it one time? And let's focus on that. And let's be generous. Listen, if you don't get anything today, if you don't get anything today, get this one thing, okay? Get this one thing. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In this economic situation, trust in the Lord. Because if you'll do that and not be wise in your own eyes, in other words, try to figure it out on your own, and you honor the Lord with your first fruits, your barns will be filled and your presses overflowing. But it starts with that first thing, trusting in the Lord. Church, give him praise and glory in his house. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you.